your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Well, random Islamic extremist attacks around Europe have certainly prompted greater concerns about what sometimes looks as a coordinated movement. But at the same time, the base of the so-called Islamic State seems to be weakening in the Middle East. Let's bring in Fred Flight, Senior Vice President for Policy and Programs, Center for Security Policy over in the United States. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Thanks for joining us. So uh, can you first tell us what's going on in the Middle East, in countries like Syria, uh, Iraq, more recently Libya, uh, with efforts to actually uh, damage that IS base? Well, it's sort of a a confusing story because there's been progress on the ground against IS in Iraq and in Syria. But as, as CIA Director John Brennan told the Senate Intelligence Committee in June, Despite this progress on the battlefield, uh, he said that we have not reduced this terrorist group's capability and global reach. And uh, frankly, he thinks that we are going to have to make more inroads on the ground, and we have to do more to fight the radical ideology that ISIS is promoting. But on what basis have we not reduced their their threat that they pose? Well, I think the problem is that we have that is that uh, the international community has tried to fight ISIS as a uh, as a force on the ground and, and has done so half-heartedly by attacking it in Syria, not recognizing that it, it is a global movement promoting radical Islam, which is why today it has an estimated uh, 20, uh, 30 affiliates in 24 countries and maybe another five more. And this ideology is being promoted through the Internet, and it's not going to be defeated with airstrikes or even just taking it out in Syria. So what do you make of the latest strikes in Libya this week by, launched by the United States to, to target IS? Well, I think it's generally very encouraging. The uh, UN-backed government uh, from, from Tripoli asked for assistance because it had been bogged down in trying to fight the ISIS presence in Syria, which is in the center of the country. And it looks like with uh, U.S. airstrikes that the government is making inroads in in cleaning uh, ISIS out of the area. But it's more complicated than that because Libya is a divided country. And the government in the east of the country actually opposes the airstrikes because it says that the government in the west of the country is using it to consolidate its power. So I mean, it's good that we're going after IS, but there's also concerns about the effects on the uh, civil war in in Libya and how the airstrikes will affect it. Yeah, there's also surely concern that there's a catch-22 there. You you know, the more you go with military action as the policy, the more you are also likely to, in these areas, provoke extremists and actually create extremists as well. I mean, I mean, a country like Syria that's been torn apart for years, uh, it, it just requires a relatively small percentage of the population to uh, have had enough and, and to vent their frustration in the direction of what they might perceive as the enemy. For example, the United States. 
Well, there's no easy solution. And another problem here is that there's been concerns about civilians, large numbers of civilians being killed due to the escalating airstrikes in Syria. Uh, but unfortunately, there's, there's no alternative to that. If we're actually going to take out ISIS's positions in Syria, we know they're using human shields. We know they're positioning their, their fighters near civilian populations. A lot of civilians are going to die. Is um, the evidence that we have of attacks around Europe, for example, uh, strong enough to suggest that uh, IS capabilities are spreading into Europe, or is that so isolated uh, and, and so tenuous, in a sense, this, the link to IS, that we can't go that far? Well, ISIS has always wanted to be a global terrorist movement. I think that it's effort to hold territory is sort of a, an anomaly for a terrorist organization. It is clearly beginning to emphasize terrorist attacks, um, not just in the Middle East, but in Europe. But it's different than other organizations because it inspires followers without actually contacting them towards radical ideology on the Internet. Mm. And these acts of terror are intended to encourage um, violent attacks that it may not actually order people to do specifically. We, we bring in, um, in terms of the response to all this, uh, another complication in Russia. Uh, IS has uh, threatened Russian President Vladimir Putin directly. A Russian helicopter was recently shot down in Aleppo. And you've got the US and Russia who don't agree on all things, of course, but uh, they certainly have a common enemy in IS. How's that likely to play out? Well, 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 they do, and I mean, there are Muslims, whether they're members of IS or not, have good reason not to like Vladimir Putin because of his role in the crackdown in Chechnya, and and the public governments he has in in area in the Caucasus, where where basically they're, they're uh, denying rights to Muslims and and um, you know basically contributing to sectarian tensions. So it isn't any surprise that that ISIS would, would make this threat. And we know that Chechen fighters have gone to Syria to fight with ISIS. And, and coming back to these support bases, if they were removed in Iraq, in, in Syria, uh, it might be theoretical at this point to have this kind of conversation from Libya. Uh, you said there are dozens of other countries where IS ideology has already become entrenched with affiliate groups. What does that tell us about the, the future of this conflict, uh, even when well, we say conflict rather you know, in vague terms at this point? It isn't going to be defeated with military force. We have to counter the ideology. We have to work with Muslim groups to target uh, extremism. We have to encourage reform in Islam, a, a reformation in Islam. That's what Dr. Zudi Jasher, the president of America, American Islamic Forum for Democracy is calling for. That's what Egyptian President Sisi is calling for, to bring Islam into the modern era and to basically shut down these radicals who are at war with Western civilization. Does it require Muslims to do that then? Uh, I mean, it's very difficult if you're not of that faith to, to, I guess, have a strong influence over the direction of the religion. I think Muslims have to do it, but Western leaders have to stop uh, aligning themselves with Muslim groups. There's a group in, in the United States called the Council for American Islamic Relations, which basically repeatedly apologizes for the radicals. I think uh, Western and international leaders have to side for the reformers who are, who are really under siege by the radicals 
and by a number of Muslim groups. They're not radicals, but they're in denial about the threat. Um, one concern about this particular region, from where we're speaking on the phone, uh, the head of the U.S. Pacific Command has warned that the Asia-Pacific area may be the next front in the war against IS. Uh, on what basis would that be, and, and do you agree? Well, there are some small numbers of IS radicals in, in, in the Asia-Pacific region. There's, there's a small number in China. I think this is a threat that focuses on Indonesia and the Philippines, where there are al-Qaeda affiliates. These affiliates tend to be moving in the direction of, of IS. Uh, but it's a concern, because there are disgruntled individuals who are inspired by ISIS's propaganda worldwide, and some will be in the Asia-Pacific region. Most of the time when we speak about regional security here in South Korea, we look at North Korea. Um, but do we need to be keeping our eyes ever wide uh, in, in terms of the potential threat? We not only have a country here that uh, might be seen as offensive to um, Islamic extremists, but um, it's intensified by the fact we have nearly 30,000 American military personnel. We have uh, various uh, bits of American military hardware as well on this peninsula. It's something worth thinking about. I don't see South Korea as being at a significant level of threat from this, but the American presence there does, does raise... It's an issue to keep an eye on. Because it's also the, the kind of threat that's posed, isn't it? Uh, what, what we saw in France, in, in Nice, was all the more frightening because uh, a truck in itself is not an uncommon sight. We see trucks every day without being nearly suspicious of them. I would suspect myself that even after what happened in Nice, many of us, when crossing the road, would simply have faith in large vehicles coming towards us that they are going to stop at a red light, for example. Uh, on that basis, it's almost impossible, isn't it, to be 100% clear on this battle? I, I think that's exactly right. But the difference in Europe is that they have let in huge numbers of refugees from nations which have been overrun by, by, by war and terrorism. And a lot of these refugees have not been vetted for, for terrorist ties. And a lot of them are, frankly, been shut out of society. They don't have jobs. They're, they're living, they're, they're living on the outskirts of cities. And I think it's, it's leading to radicalism. That situation does not exist for mm. Muslims in, in, in South Korea. Well, thank you, as ever, for, for being a guest on our show. It's great to hear from you. My pleasure. Take care. Difficult subject, of course, I'm sure, for many of us to digest. Fred Flights, their Senior Vice President for Policy and Programs at the Centre for Security Policy. Our email is open to you if you want to have your say, EFM this morning at gmail.com.